That's a good thing. I had brought up this just in case, so I don't need that uh, now. But I, I just want to uh, welcome you all. Uh, well, ha- happy Labor Day weekend, and uh, hopefully you have uh, some fun plans uh, this weekend, and we'll enjoy the, the long weekend. A couple of announcements uh, to bring to our attention. First of all, if you wouldn't mind taking out the connection card, it's this white card with the uh, orange on it, and take a minute and fill that out. This will uh, give us an opportunity to stay in touch with you. Uh, if you want to leave a prayer request or a praise report on the back or request some information, that would be great. If you are a, vet, a guest here with us, uh, we invite you to fill that out as well, and this will give us an opportunity to welcome you to the church, and, um, and so we would appreciate that. Simply leave that on the pew after the service, and uh, ushers will come around and pick it up. It, by, in way of announcements, Pastor Rick is officially back from sabbatical as of this week, but he's not here today because he is on uh, the retreat with the men. Several of our men are away uh, on a men's retreat this weekend. In fact, they send us their greeting, so we're going to play a, a short little video here uh, for us. like they're only doing real spiritual things. (laughs) I appreciate the song, but I'm sure they're having lots of other types of fun and fellowship as well. uh, But it is a blessing to have so many of our men be able to go away this weekend and have a good time together. In fact, we rented the cabin through Tuesday. So just to let you know, we have a staff retreat. Our staff is going to go up uh, this afternoon and be there through Tuesday. So if, you don't, if you're trying to contact the office the next couple days, that's where we're at. But keep us in prayer. It's a great opportunity. We've never, in, at least since I've been here, we've never had a staff retreat. And so this will be a, a, hopefully a real blessed and great time uh, together. Because of the retreat today, the Young Married Group is canceled that we would normally have on the first Sunday of the month, choir practice uh, in a couple weeks, September fifteenth. If you are in the Thanksgiving, uh, if you are in the choir preparing for the Thanksgiving service, uh, in a couple weeks as well is a uh, new ministry. It's a, a thirty-plus single adult fellowship, and uh, in fact, there is a flyer here uh, in the in the program. That gives you a little bit more information about that. But that is a new ministry, and so keep that in mind. I would encourage anyone who is, um, who is single and would love to have a fellowship uh, to check it out, to give it a chance, and I'm, I'm sure that this will be a great uh, fellowship for our single adults in the church, a 30-plus single adult fellowship. Fun Fest in a couple weeks, and um, new member and baptism classes starting as well. So if you have requested 
to join the church or to be baptized, uh, the, the information of the first class is uh, provided there. Today is our last sermon in the series on the Songs of Ascent. The Songs of Ascent are a special set of songs in the Psalms, Psalms specifically Psalms 120 through 134. And so 15 songs. And uh, someone asked me, how did you choose to preach on the uh, Songs of Ascent this summer? Why did you choose to do it? Was it because you knew Pastor Rick would be gone for 15 weeks and there's 15 songs of ascent? Well, that might have had a little bit to do with it, but actually the real uh, uh, desire to do this was because I think it touches on something that is really needed in uh, churches today and in, within the lives of Christians today. And that is, I think, overall, to, and we're going to spend some time reviewing this morning, But the big picture of the Songs of Ascent are that they present this God-centered and God-saturated life in which all of our lives, not just sections of our lives, but all of our lives uh, are devoted to the Lord. So before we get into this uh, passage and look at this together, let me take a minute and pray for us. Father God, as we uh, gather together today to now look at your word, to hear from you, I pray that you would speak to us, and, uh, and God, I pray that this, this would uh, find application in our hearts and our lives. We come before you humbly because we know that we need, your, we need you and, uh, in our lives, and we pray that during this time that you would speak to us and help us to renew our dedication to live our lives with you and for you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As I said, sometimes when we think of our lives, we can kind of compartmentalize things. It's almost like we have a pie chart where God is a piece of the pie, where we have God here and then family and work and recreation and just whatever is in our lives. And I think the Songs of Ascent provide a very different picture than this, uh, th- than this graph. In fact, if, I think if we were to look at, through the perspective of the Songs of Ascent, it is more that God is not a, a piece of the pie, but rather God is in every area of our lives. And I hope as we review these things this morning, that we will begin to recognize that the Psalms have talked about how we can have God within our family, God within our work, God within all of the things that we do in our lives, it is not that God is a piece of, the, uh, of, the, of our lives, but rather He is the centerpiece, and He is in everything that we do. And so this morning we are going to look at the last of these psalms, Psalm 134. And, it is, and I think that this psalm is strategically sung by the Israelites uh, Lastly, because I think it kind of ties them all together. Remember, these were songs that the Israelites would have sung as they made their way into Jerusalem to worship the Lord at the festivals that God has uh, asked them to participate in. Three times a year, they would sojourn and make their way to, to Jerusalem. And as they do, I can imagine them entering into the gates and singing this song together. Psalm 134. Come, bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. 
May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. It's a short little song, right? If we were to use the words that we use in the church, we talk about having hymns or choruses. This is a chorus. I mean, it's a type of song you can imagine them singing over and over again. And I, th- and I would like to imagine that being that it's last, this is the song that is on their lips as they enter into the gates of Jerusalem. Jerusalem had one main entry, and so if the, all the Israelites were coming to worship the Lord at the same time, I can imagine as they come in, they see uh, people that are coming from all kinds of directions. Let's say we're coming from the south. Here's a group that's coming from the north. There's a group from the east, and as we sing, maybe our voices join together, and we keep repeating this chorus, and, our, and we are now all of a sudden singing these words just in a, in a huge multitude of people. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. To me, it's kind of an exciting scene. Like, can I imagine the emotions that the Israelites would have felt, this excitement, maybe a sense of accomplishment. We've traveled all this way, and now we're here to worship the Lord. And if we're to be real honest, maybe there are also feelings of just kind of grumpiness or grouchiness. Because you're hungry, you're tired. You just want to get to the hotel and have a bite to eat and put your feet up for a while, right? Or maybe even there are feelings of disappointment. Uh, You've been looking forward to this so much. The only reason I say disappointment is because I can imagine times in my life where I have looked forward to something so much and then it doesn't quite live up to the expectations. You can't wait for the movie to come out and you go and see it and you're like, eh, it's all right. Or you look forward to graduating or to getting that dream job or maybe even to retirement and then you get it and It might be all that you expected it to be, but it could be a little bit of a letdown too. Now, I need to talk, I need to provide some grief counseling here, okay? Because college football started yesterday. And uh, I have a feeling that with all the buildup, with all the excitement, there could be a feeling of some disappointment. Chelsea and I had organized our whole weekend around a game for last night. I got my sermon done early. We uh, planned, uh, I barbecued. We were going to eat in front of the TV. And uh, USC, Alabama, it was good for about eight minutes. <laughs> and then as, as uh, Darren told me today, the roof caved in. And it was a landslide and it was ugly. And I won't even mention uh, the Bruins game. So that is surely a disappointment as well. And so all of this hype, right, into the weekend Sports radio, I've been listening to the games, I read the articles online, and then a huge disappointment. What do you think the Israelites felt as they made their way into Jerusalem? Could have felt excitement, could have felt accomplishment, could have felt even disappointment. But to be honest, what they felt was not the most important thing. If we go back to the passage here, it says, come Bless the Lord. Blessing is clearly the key of this psalm. Three times in three verses. Bless the Lord. Lift up your uh, hands in holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. But if we were to go back to the original meaning of the word blessing in Hebrew, it doesn't uh, have its, it's not based in one's emotions. 
It's actually based uh, more so in the activity that they did. And so the Hebrew word blessed literally means, and I get this directly from my Hebrew dictionary, to kneel in adoration. It's a physical action. It's a word communicating a physical action more than an emotional feeling. Now, there's some emotions there. It talks about kneeling in adoration. But from what I understand by, uh, from my study of just how blessing or even the word worship, all of these words that are used in the Old Testament, they are primarily a word communicating a physical action. And so I came across this picture. It's a, it's a carving that is that they estimate was about 1,000 B.C., located in an area that would have been very similar to, uh, where, the, uh, to where the Israelites were living at the time, in, in Israel. And uh, you can see in the picture, in the center, there is this guy that is bowing down. And this is actually a picture that, that, uh, w- that could have been entitled, like, Bless the King or Worship the Kings, however you want to translate it, something along those lines. And it is a, the type of picture that we see here in this passage, to kneel in adoration. And when the Hebrews thought about, uh, when the Hebrews thought about blessing the Lord or worshiping the Lord, similar type words that are used in, uh, in, the, in, in their culture, it was to kneel in adoration. And I think that that actually has application for us as well. And so I think it has application when we think of our worship, of our blessing God. And so here is the application I would give. Contrary to popular opinion, worship does not start with how we feel, but, about, but, but with who God is. And so I'm not going to be talking, I think it's a physical activity, but I'm not going to be talking about do we need to worship, do we need to kneel when we worship, do we need to lift our, hand, lift our hands. Actually, the, grounding, the ground of our worship, the place where it starts is, is who God is. And our worship, though emotions are a part of it, they're important and they matter, how we feel about God does not uh, change who He is. See, our emotions can, ri- can fall and rise like waves in the ocean. I mean, one day we feel like sky high and we're excited about life and circumstances and everything and the next day we're bummed out. One day we feel like just jumping for joy in front of the Lord's presence and the next day we feel like shaking our fist. And our emotions, ri- our emotions can go up and down but when, but when we think about who God is, that does not change. The preacher of Hebrews said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we think about who God is, man, we worship a pretty spectacular God. With the invention of the telescope, we're beginning to get a, an understanding of how large our universe is. And I say beginning because we've, it's probably much larger than what we grasp. But we can see out light years into space. And we begin to get, uh, get a picture of how vast the universe is. And in light of that, how big God is. In fact, in, uh, in Isaiah, one time, it, it talks about that God fits the universe in the palm of his hand. And even that's just a, that even that's just a symbolic picture that God is surely 
much larger than that. But when we think about how great and big God is, and then if we're honest, we take a look at our own lives and we're just like a little speck of dust, very small compared to God. We think about how holy and perfect God is. And then again, if we're introspective and we're honest, we realize that our lives are full of sin and that we mess up a lot. And, and so, when we, so when we think about this idea of worship, it is best not to ground it in how we feel about God, but it is best to ground it in who God is. And so whether we feel like it or not, we receive the invitation to come and bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. And then a similar idea here in verse 2, lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. Two times does it say to bless the Lord. And it's talking about people blessing God. And then in the third verse, the role is reversed. It's not people blessing God, but God blessing people. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. And so I point all of this out to say that I think that there is a principle in this passage. And the principle is this. When we bless the Lord, the Lord blesses us. When we bless the Lord, the Lord blesses us. Have you ever experienced this? That even on the days where you didn't feel like it, you woke, yourself, you woke up on Sunday morning and you think, I'd rather sleep in today, I'd rather stay home and watch the Sunday morning politics shows. I'd like to, whatever you want to do, you just feel like, I don't feel like it. But somehow you talk yourself into going. And as you're there, you sing the songs, you hear the word, maybe you take the communion and you realize, man, I am so happy that I came today. You're blessed because you came. It's a physical action. Your heart's not in it. But somehow you come and you offer yourselves before God. And in the process, God blesses you. I felt that way. In fact, I like this cartoon. A guy laying in bed. I know you, the wife comes in. I know you feel like sleeping in and skipping church today. But you have to go. You're the pastor. They expect you to be there. I've been that in that boat. If I wasn't getting paid to be here, I might not have been here. Uh, but I come because I have to. And yet, at the same time, I can say with all sincerity, I'm glad I came on many of those days. Because as I sat there in the pew and I heard the message preached, it felt like God speaking to me. Or as I began to sing the songs, even if my heart wasn't in it, I'm reminded of God's love for me. You take the cup, you take the bread in your fingers, and you remember, man, this opportunity that I have for my sins to be forgiven and have new life in Christ. And all of a sudden you realize I came to bless the Lord, but really the Lord was the one who blessed me. And when we bless the Lord, God has a tendency to bless us. And so as I said, Psalm 134 is an invitation. We are invited to come as we are and to give yourself to God. To come as we are and to give ourselves to God. Come, join in, the psalmist says. Don't be shy. Don't hold back. Don't let excuses get in the way. Bless the Lord. Did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed today? Did you, you didn't feel like coming? That's all right. You're here now. Bless the Lord and receive his blessing. Did you have a fight with your spouse on the way or 
Maybe your brother or your sister, you got in an argument this morning. That's okay. You're here now. Bless the Lord and receive his blessing. Are you ashamed of how you feel? Are you ashamed of how you felt throughout this week? Well, that's okay. You're here now. Bless the Lord and receive his blessing. Are you embarrassed by how many times you've quit the spiritual journey? You've laid down on the side of the road and someone had to come and pick you up and carry you along. Don't worry about it. You're here now. Bless the Lord and receive his blessing. And so I want to ask the question this morning. We've talked about, and it makes sense to us, I think it makes sense at least in my mind, of how we would bless the Lord. But what does it mean that God would bless us? If that's the latter half of the principle, what does it mean that God would bless us? Well, again, let's go back to the definition. The Hebrew word for bless literally means to kneel in adoration. When I think about that, to kneel in adoration, how would that apply to God? When you, let me give you an illustration. When you are, uh, I was taught when you want to talk to a child, you kneel and you get down on eye level with them, right? You look them right in the eyes. We have a, uh, one, uh, a little girl, she's going to be two here in about a month and a half. And uh, she is to that age where she always imitates what's done, especially her brother, but she'll imitate anybody. And so some guy came up to her this week and he got down on his knee and he was talking to Kinsey and Kinsey gets down on her knee and he gets lower and lower. And and so she's uh, imitating him. But I think, isn't that a beautiful picture of God? I think when we think of God blessing us, the the, the place we ought to start is that God kneels down and he looks us right in the eye. He gets down on our level and he provides us with meaning and purpose in our lives. That's the idea, I think, of the adoration. He looks upon our lives and he sees value and he imparts that value to us. And so when we think about God's blessing us, we think that God kneels down to our level, enters into our lives, and gives us meaning and purpose in life. In other words, that God comes into our lives and we can have a relationship with him. And it's a meaningful, purposeful relationship in which though we were once stuck in, a, on, in such a track that we were just pursuing vain things that would be here today and gone tomorrow, all of a sudden in new life, uh, if we have new life in Christ, everything changes. And we walk with Christ in our lives. And we find value and significance. God kneels down on our level He sends His Spirit to come and to live into our lives, and He walks alongside of. And that is the primary way that God blesses us. We have material blessings, and I use that word purposefully. I talk about material blessings all the time, and they are blessings. But much more than stuff and material blessings is the opportunity that we have to live life with Jesus. And that is the greatest blessing that we can have. And so when we think of our lives and we think of all the things, the emotions, the highs and the lows, the the ups and the down days, circumstances that are, are difficult, the real blessing of God is that He is with us through it all. And He walks with us and He journeys. If, we, if this is a spiritual journey that we are on, 
traveling a road, Jesus travels along with with us. And that is the blessing. That is really the message of all of the songs of ascent. The songs of ascent are a spectacular picture of what it would look like to have a God-centered, God-saturated life. In fact, I believe this with all my heart, that the best life possible is a life that is lived with and for Jesus. And I think that's what the songs of ascent are all about. Let's take a minute and review some of these songs, okay? I put on the back of your sermon handout uh, a list of them all. I encourage you to kind of tuck this away in your Bible and maybe just look at them once in a while. And uh, I'm not going to take time to read all the verses, but I put what I thought was a key verse or two along with every one. But I'm just going to read through the sermon titles. And just begin to, as I, as I read through this, think about what, uh, how this is a vision for life, so to speak. A life of repentance. Trust in God's providence to worship God, to live in dependence upon God, God's help, no matter what is going on, that God would be our help, God our security guard, to live with joy in the Lord, to work with the Lord, and that's speaking about our actual work, our jobs, to work with the Lord, happiness in Christ, spiritual perseverance, Hope in the gospel, contentment in God alone, a passion to serve God, spiritual friendships, in other words, having those friends in our lives that are going to build us up and, and help us as we journey along this, in this life. And then lastly, today's is blessing. So when we look upon that list, it is a, li- it is a list, I think, that gives us a picture. What if God was in our lives, in all areas of our lives. That God was walking alongside of us. That as we are involved in physical activity, again, this is the idea of blessing, physical activity. As we go about our daily activities with our family, with our work, with our recreation, that God would go with us. This is what the Songs of Ascent have all been about. And now we are at the end of the road, so to speak. This is the last message And so what might we come away with? Well, four principles I'd just highlight. These are all review-type principles. First of all, that God is here and will travel the journey of life with us. That God is here, that God is near. That He is, as the Songs of Ascent have taught us, that He is our security guard, that He is our ever-present help in times of trouble, that we can depend on Him and trust in Him These are journey songs, and so the songs of the scent have taught us that God will travel the journey of life with us. Secondly, second uh, application may be that the the themes of the songs of ascent are ways to become more aware of God's presence. We know intellectually that God is here and always near. But I think the songs of ascent provide practical ways. And so we looked at what it means to live a daily life of repentance. What it means to have worship in our lives. To set our contentment in God alone. To serve God with passion. To have spiritual friends. To work with God. You know, all of these, these are ways, these are means that if we are intentional about these things, 
that they help us to become more aware of God's presence in our lives. Spiritual friends do those type of things. Committing our work to the Lord makes us more aware of God's presence with us. All of these things, so many on this list. Thirdly, all of our lives are to be lived with God and not just when we are at church or in church. Kind of already hit on that pretty thoroughly this morning, but just one more comment, and that comes from the text. When we look at Psalm 134, it says that this is addressed to servants of the Lord. I read several commentaries in preparation for this message, and many of the commentators will say that the servants of the Lord are the priests who are working in the temple. And that may be the case, but I like to think of the psalms or of the servants of the Lord here as, though, as all of us, because all of our lives are to be lived in service and devotion to the Lord. And then lastly, the, the faith journey is not easy, but we are motivated to persevere by the hope of God's joyful presence. It's not easy. We know this from experience. Just life has its ups and downs. We're going to travel some rocky terrain. But the reason we persevere is because we are motivated with that hope of God being in our lives and walking with us. It's Labor Day weekend, and so it's a long weekend. Several years ago, on the long weekend, Labor Day weekend, and this probably had to be about 15 years ago, I decided to do a long bike trip. Because I had the long weekend, my, my friend Mike and I were going to bike. From, we were living in Minneapolis at the time. We were going to bike to our friend's cabin. We had a cabin on the lake, uh, and uh, it was quite a ways away. But we thought we had the long weekend. And so we, we get... And in fact, I looked it up. I've told this story to some of you, and my distance changes every time. You know how... But I looked it up, and it's, it was actually 190 miles And uh, we got going on a Friday night after work, and we went as long as we could. And uh, in fact, we were biking in the dark, and by the time we uh, stopped to set up tent, we didn't really know where we were setting up our tent. We thought we found a good spot. We woke up early in the morning, and we realized we were in someone's backyard. (laughs) That's the truth, too. And we had no idea. We wake up at like 5 in the morning, and the sun's just coming up, and we realize, oh, a couple dozen yards away there, there's somebody's uh, back porch. So we got on our bikes as quickly as we could, and we rode as far as we could uh, Saturday. And uh, we went a long ways, but by the end of the day, by the time we had to quit, uh, we were tired out. So we set up camp again. Sunday morning comes, and uh, we get on our bikes, and before we start, our legs are tired. And uh, so we start counting down the miles. Come on, Mike, 50 miles to go. That's all we got to do. We can do it one day, all right? And and then pretty soon, it's 25. We're almost there. 10 miles. By the time you get to 10, you're counting down every mile. 9, 8, 7, 6. Come on, Mike. We're almost at 5's got to be just around the corner. We're looking for where uh, the 5-mile marker as we take a turn, and then we're in the home stretch. So I keep waiting for 5, and we keep biking. 5 should have come up by now. Finally, we pull off to the side of the road. Where is the turn? We get out the map. This is pre-GPS days, pre-cell phone days, you know, so we're relying on a map. We get out the map, and we're like, oh, shoot. We were supposed to turn left back there, not right. And it's not five miles, but it looks like it's going to be about 15 miles because we got to backtrack. 
My, I felt so bad for my friend Mike. I mean, his spirit was crushed. This guy was, this guy was hurting. And, uh, and if he was going slow before we found out that we took the wrong turn, I mean, it was like climbing, climbing Mount Everest for every pedal around. And you could have passed us by walking past us. I mean, we were going really slow. But again, no cell phones. We can't call, any, we can't call up our friends and say, come and pick us up. The only thing we can do, do is just keep going. And so we keep on biking, and eventually we make it. And we get there, and my friend Mike goes into the guest bedroom, and I don't see him again till the next day. I get my second wind, and I'm out on the jet ski the rest of the day. And I had a great time. But the point of the story is... You know, sometimes in this spiritual journey, we take a wrong turn. Sometimes in, just, uh, in the journey of life, things don't go the way we plan it. And all of a sudden, we, we think, man, I've almost arrived. I've almost got it all together. And we realize we're a lot farther from where we want to be than what we realize. And the point is that when we keep pre- persevering, that God promises, promises us not that everything is going to be easy, It doesn't necessarily mean that when we turn our lives to God, all of a sudden we're back to five miles. No, we still may have 15 miles to go, but God will give us the strength. He will give us his presence. He will walk with us. The spiritual journey is not easy, but we are motivated to persevere by the hope of God's presence. That God will kneel down in our lives, look us straight into the eyes, And remind us that he is with us and that he loves us. No clearer time in history have we seen that happen than when Jesus came to this earth. And he came to this earth to live and to show us how to live a life that is lived fully with God and for God. And then he went to the cross and he died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with him. After three days, he rose from the dead, and as he ascended into heaven, he gave us the promise, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Once a month, we gather around the Lord's Supper to remember an activity that Jesus did with his disciples the night before he was betrayed and crucified. And as they gathered together that night, he passed around bread, and he passed around wine and they ate and they drank and as they ate and drank he said this is my body which is broken for you this is my blood this symbolizes my blood which is poured out for you the blood of the new covenant the new covenant is that we can have a relationship with the lord and then jesus said for all of his disciples all of those who would come after him who would follow him Do this regularly in remembrance of me. And so once a month, we gather around this table, not really for a meal. I mean, it's just a small little cracker and a a small cup of juice, but it's symbolic of something very significant, that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could have a relationship with him. And so I encourage you that as you sit in the pew today and you hold these things between your fingers just to, just to rededicate your life to the Lord and ask him to come into our lives. Jesus said, even to the church in Laodicea, here's a church, and he says, I knock at the door of your heart and I wait to be let in, to come in and to eat with you and to dine with you.
And he knocks at the door of our hearts today as well. And he longs to come in and to eat with us and to have that kind of fellowship with our lives. Now, if you are here this morning and you're not, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you think, I'm on this spiritual journey, but I'm not quite there yet. I'm not ready to give my life to the Lord. You know what? That's okay. We want to journey along with you. And I ask that you would just continue to seek the Lord. And he, the Bible promises that he, if we seek Him, he will, he will make Himself known to us. But as the bread and as the juice comes, just let that uh, pass by. As believers, we can celebrate what the Lord has done for us. Let me pray as the ushers come forward. Father God, as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, we are just so thankful and so grateful of the blessings that you have given us and the primary blessing that you have given us is a relationship with you. That by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have new life in you, that our sins can be forgiven and that we can... And that we can walk with you in all of our lives, no matter what we are going through. And so, God, it is in light of that that we just come before this table and pray that you would remind us of how much you would love us, that you love us as we pass these elements, as we eat together. I pray that we would, again, fix our hearts on you. In Jesus' name, amen.